We play and call it work. Uh, today, very special guest, we have Mikey Herbert from Hellstorm Wargaming. Welcome, Mikey. What's up, gamers? Thanks for having me on, dude. Now, uh, you, uh, as a YouTuber, as a miniature mm -hmm. wargamer, as a 40K player, because that's what your mm -hmm. YouTube channel is focused on. Uh, I've Pretty noticed. much. Uh, you've been doing this for five years, about that, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, according yeah. to when you joined YouTube on your YouTube about yeah. page, uh, I may have cheated and just looked at that. Uh, yeah, good, good idea. I think we start. We I started like properly posting videos about three and a half years ago. I like one or uh, two when I first joined, and then like a year and a half, and then yeah, three and a half in total. I think you have racked up over a couple million views on your videos as a whole, mm -hmm. and you post multiple times a week, and mm -hmm. you do codex reviews, you do battle reports, and you do yeah. live streams, and so you are one of these dudes who also does this full time, which is uh, awesome. I am. So congratulations yeah. on that. Uh, now, you, would you say that you, uh, in terms of like focusing on competitive play versus casual narrative play, which mm -hmm. one are you more of? Uh, I definitely lean into more of the competitive play, but definitely like trying to make sure that competitive play is entertaining. So uh, I like to add a spin of comedic effect to my like bat reports and stuff like that. So we, we like there's me myself who does most of the editing. I have another friend called Tom who does uh, some of the editing with me. Well, I say that he usually ends up doing most of the editing, but um, we kind of like have a unique spin and we like uh, add memes and funny things that happen during the game. So um, to try and make it more unique, but also more entertaining rather than just like two guys just like banging heads together with like super gamey competitive things. So we might have like really gamey lists, but hopefully it's like enjoyable to watch at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So, so competitive with uh, an additive of uh fun play at the same time yeah yeah exactly so okay very cool uh so death guard i noticed you uh, did a few death guard videos recently mm -hmm. as the new death guard have dropped uh are you a death guard player uh i have a death guard army yeah um i've probably really played them i probably i think i've had the army for like two years now so i didn't jump on them at first um because i'm more of a space marine player at heart Ah. So like when Dark Imperium stuff came out, I was like, okay, I'll uh, let's get the Space Marines, and then the Plague Marines will go in a draw somewhere. Uh, but like last year, and then the just like uh, I think it was like late 2019, I started like properly collecting, and I've played them quite a few times now. Uh, played them competitively as well, and um, yeah, they're really good now. Really, really good. Definitely better than what they were. <laughs> yeah, <this is laughs> heck of a lot better. So yeah, would you say that they are too strong? Would you say they're too strong, I, too resilient? Yeah. Are you getting sick yeah. of them? Uh, well, <laughs> you you play them, so maybe you're not getting sick. What about your opponents? Yeah, I think I think overall Death Guard are okay. They are really strong, but mm -hmm. not too strong. If you don't include Mortarian, when you like throw Mortarian into the ring, <laughs> which you would do because he's Mortarian. Uh huh. Uh, he's he's mental. He's really good. Um, but like the rest of the army functions well, and it has its like. It's really good at being resilient, but it also it's really slow. Uh -huh. But then when you have something that's like it's such a bullet magnet like Mortarian that you can't ignore, but when you don't ignore him, you're shooting guns and he just ignores half of them and then reduces damage and then reduces damage again. Um, it can be quite like imposing or oppressive, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so Death Guard are fine, but when you put Mortarian in there, Death Guard are obviously really, really good. He is nigh unkillable. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. The Nightbringer can take him down, but other than Nightbringer him, Nightbringer is really good at taking him down. It's other like than really him, squiff because it's like one thing in one codex. So okay, I had a recent game where uh, it was Blood Angels. It was classic Blood mm -hmm. Angels. It wasn't even Primaris. It was a classic Blood Angels, nice. uh, but Sanguinary Guard. Yeah, I mm -hmm. want to say Sanguinary Guard, and then I had some Death Company in there, and of course, uh, Salt Marines sure. and some Terminators with Thunderhammer, Storm Shield, and uh, a Librarian Dreadnought, and all okay. of this stuff shot. And charge Mortarian, and okay. did not take him down. Yeah. Oh man. Oh um, man. That was so demoralizing. Ah. Oh. <laughs> which uh, contagion ability was he using at the time? So which like of the extra warlord traits of the four that Mortarian has of was the easy? Was he using that... the deny the rerolls? Okay. Or there was. It... Uh, uh, he was minus one to hit. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, he had a, a, a his own disgustingly resilient. Uh, yeah. 
his yeah, warlord. It, that's one of his warlord that's traits. That's one of his warlord traits. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let me see what else I can remember from that scarring uh, experience. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has two, he has two nine-inch range abilities. He has the contagion, which is uh, like a nine-inch aura of minus one toughness. But then at the start of the game, he chooses one of the warlord traits uh-huh. from the play companies, which is also nine-inch range naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, the two go-to's are usually the droning, which is like half movement, or it's. Um, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's basically you can't re-roll hits or wounds whilst within nine yes, inches of him. That's okay, that, that sounds very familiar. I think that was a yeah. thing, actually. Which is really clutch against Blood Angels because they kind of rely on re-rolls. And also Blood Angels rely on damage too. Mm-hmm. Um, because like like power fists and carmine swords. Yep. You know, they're all damage too, which are really, really good, unless uh, you're playing Death Guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was all neutered. All at the same yeah. time. Oh man. Yeah. So I've also so had good. that matchup because uh, I've got Blood Angels on me as well, and like, it just it just doesn't go well. <laughs> were you Blood Angels when you were fighting against yeah. it, or were you Death Guard? Yeah, so I've so I've I've played as Death Guard, but I've also played against Death Guard. Gotcha. Um, okay. And I was as Blood Angels. Yeah, oh, okay. it was just yeah, no, <laughs> it just didn't happen. No, <laughs> I think uh... I think Death Company the only thing that can do it. Yeah, um, with the insane amount of attacks. Hammers. All thun- Yeah, that's right. How many points is that? It's probably the same amount of points as Mortarian. If not more. If yeah. not more, yeah. <laughs> and even still, it's a sheer number of attacks, yeah. really, that you're going for there because it's already minus one damage. So just yeah. just crazy, man. Ah! Yeah. So, he's, got, he's got three wall of traits naturally because he's got uh, Living Plague, which is you can't use aura abilities. He's got Revolting Resilient, which is the five plus feel no pain, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the other one now. It's, it's obviously really good. He's got a third one. But then he, the the fact that he chooses one before the game starts is just obnoxious, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, that's been, that's been my opinion about him ever since he came out. I mean, why does he uh, need oh, more? He's obviously, got, uh, he's obviously got Arch Contaminator, which is the final one, which is the re-rolling with plate weapons. That one's fine. That's a great yeah, trait. That's great, right? Yeah. Like it, uh, buff, ignoring... buff yourself. Don't take away my abilities. Buff yourself all day long. Yeah, exactly. But the the fact they can just choose one and then it becomes nine inches, which you can extend to twelve inches with the psychic power. Uh, it's just obnoxious. So, but it's it's so fun to play play with. It's just obnoxious to play against. <laughs> this is true. You know, I think that in, in a game where you know that he is being brought, then that's kind of a mm-hmm. different story, and then you can kind of semi prepare for it, or at least have that in yeah. your mind that you're gonna have to deal with him or not deal with him. Uh, but yeah. y- you expect him to be there, and you know that he's gonna be what he is. Uh, yeah, exactly. When I fought it for the first time, this new codex. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was going to be fighting him. I had no idea oh. what his new abilities were. Um, oh no! <laughs> and I was just like, "All right, let, let's do it. Let's let's corn it up and let's charge everything at him." Oh yeah. man, do I ever regret this? <laughs> That's the thing. I think because I said like I'm a, I'm a competitive player at heart, so I like I run tournaments myself and I go to tournaments a lot and I cover events and stuff like that. And like the thing is, like obviously, like in a tournament setting, when you know, like pandemic permitting or whatever you know when tournaments are running like you have a meta and what death guard do is because everything was leaning towards like two damage because space marines all got an extra wound mm-hmm. you know and like so everyone's like okay we need to rack up two damage stuff and death guard just throw that out the window and th- completely screw it for mm-hmm. you and um the thing is is you can deal with mortarian as you say if you know he's coming but if you don't know he's coming and you bring like a, an all comers list you just you just had it used most of the time <laughs> So, um, which makes him really interesting. Makes the army really interesting. So Jake Madden says this: the power spike is ridiculous in both Dark Angels and Death Guard. It's a good time to be Green Marines. What are your thoughts on his comment? <laughs> it is a good time to be Green and Bone. Yeah, because they are both Green and Bone. To be fair, so that's fair. Yeah, you got, Ray, you got Deathwing for sure. I mean, that is a. I mean, that's an accurate statement, right? Yeah. 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 Great time until an FAQ comes out. I guess <laughs> we will see. <laughs> it's too strong. Oh, uh, you can only take yeah, exactly. three warlord trades, not four. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you know yeah. it's okay. And here's the thing: uh, I see all this Death Guard love, which I'm okay with because being a chaos player at heart, any love given towards yeah. chaos is a good thing. But I can't help but feel a little bit of longing for more love towards mm-hmm. world eaters, and if they had yeah. equivalent love with. Warlord traits and characters and new units and new codex, a codex in general, not just a new codex, yeah. like a codex, that would be yeah, absolutely sure. awesome. Uh, here, yeah. Here's the crazy part, man. Like, we got a Lord of Skulls, right? We have yeah, a exactly. Blood Slaughterer. We have all these, like, we, we have yeah. the starting 
of our own units and things that could be amalgamized yeah. into a codex? Why doesn't that happen? <laughs> I was really surprised that the Death Card Codex came out as it was because I was I was expecting like Chaos Space Marines to get a similar treatment to Space Marines with like a codex and then supplements to go with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really surprised that they didn't go that direction because there's so many units that like cross over in all the factions. Mm -hmm. But then they decided to release Death Guard, which kind of like neutered that theory. Right. Um, I agree. But yeah, I think that would have been really cool if you had like a World Eater supplement with the Chaos Space Marine codex. Yes. That'd be cool. That could have been so easily Death done, Guard, right? Thousand Sons. Right, because there was, was and everyone calls back to Demon King, and that was such a fantastic book when it was out in seventh edition. My favorite um, book of all time. That's what that yeah, was. A great book, and they could have just done that. Yeah, they, but they still could, to be fair. But they I don't still know. can it be do it. Like, why aren't they? What would be well, your number one guess? Why aren't they doing that? Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I guess they don't like money. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like corn's money. Oh, cards me in particular. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that'd be so good. I, I can't even. You know what I would do? I would probably dress my car up like a Lord of Skulls and drive through the city. That would be, that would be pretty, how many wallet traits would he have? Eight. <laughs> uh, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Five plus D three. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Oh man, it'd be so many, so much awesomeness that would happen. Uh, we need yeah. new corn characters too. We just need like more. More stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this is a That's Death Guard discussion, right? Not a worldly just discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was that? What were you Chaos say? in general. I was going to say they, they could have just like released a supplement, new Corn Berserkers with like maybe a cool character to go with it, and they would have solved buckets, I reckon. Because the yes, the, the worldy is the stratagems like that that they have are actually really good, and just with yep. like a few more with like some obviously they already have six Waller traits, so they could probably reprint most of the stuff they've already got. And then just add a little bit more flavor. Like, again, like the Demon King Talia that they used to have, like kill eight things, summon a Bloodthirster or something, you know, mm. or summon something not quite as a, you know, probably something ridiculous because, you know, that's what Games Workshop do these days. Um, but um, yeah, they could have just like brought in the Tally again, reprint everything they've already got, and then be like, cool, here's another codex. Also, yeah. here's some models that we've been selling for the past five years, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah. Or new yeah. corn models. Heck, uh, new Terminator version, new corn yeah, terminators, yeah. right? Like Some the red, red butchers. butchers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So amazing. Yeah. Ah, so amazing. And then obviously two wounds apiece. You know that would be a thing mm -hmm. uh, for berserkers uh, and and marines while we're at it, right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and then so okay. So you know how in like uh, with Nurgle they got the poxwalkers, right? So yeah, it'd be cool if corn. There's some sort of version of that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I wonder what that would look like. You know, like angry cultists. Angry cultists. Yeah, but angrier than normal cultists. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I guess that's pretty much all you've got into, really, because it's like poxwalkers are just cultists that are just neglified, and then everyone else just relies on cultists. Yes. But you just have to, like really angry cultists that like always charge or something like that. Yes, I like it. Yeah, yeah they which can makes sense. Advance and charge. Yeah. They, yeah. That's a good... Oh, okay. So, uh, Ginger Steve says this. Dave, have you seen the new Warhammer Total War 3 trailer? I know you love the chaos stuff, but have you noticed Mikey looks like the advisor in the tent? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ginger Steve. He's a good dude. <laughs> uh, I have not seen the trailer yet. Uh, I will watch it. Yeah, It's I've good. Yeah, dropped, you'll like it. It dropped, like, how many hours ago? Like it must be two hours, if that. Yeah, like, yeah. like stupid recently, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's good. Okay, so if you were to build Death Guard army, not including Mortarian, like he's his own thing, he's his own army. So okay, okay if you build from scratch, how would you build it? Okay, um, so like the I think the core of the army relies on. You can either go really silly or like like a more well-rounded, but I think quite fun list to play because really silly is kind of taking as many death shroud as you can because they're also really, really good because they are so resilient. Uh -huh. And um, the fact that they, the with the Plague Reapers or the yep. Man Reapers, they can like, they have like two versions of attacks because the biggest issue with them before the Codex was that if you sw swamp them with something like cultists or like Orc Boys or something, they didn't die, but also they couldn't get out of it because they get like two or three attacks each. But now they can, I think it's like double attacks they can do with the sweeping attack. Ah, uh, so two versions. 
Yeah, so it's like I, like Mortarian can do like a sweeping attack. They have something very similar, just not quite as quite as big. Yeah. Um. So you can that's like one way you could do it, but I kind of like running like I don't have one yet, but I'd like to run like a Lord of Virulence with a playcaster, um, as like my two HQs because I think the Lord of Virulence has got some real weight to his to his rules. I think he's really good. When the preview came out, a lot of people were like really saying that it wasn't worth anything, but like when his points came out and he was like a Lord of Contagion, but better. Um, he, I I figured it was like pretty good. Mm. Uh, so then you've got to have a playcaster because you can't have anything else in the Death Guard credits, which is also really weird. Like the fact that they have the caveat of you can only have one Lord, and then you can only have one Demon Prince in each attachment, but a Demon Prince is both a, a Demon Prince and a Lord at the same time, hmm. which is really interesting. Yes, and uh, yeah, I found that interesting too. Yeah, yeah interesting. Really Why? Weird. What was the thought behind that change? Yeah, it it makes sense that that change came in, but like. It means you can only have one demon prince, and then you have to take a sorcerer, um, or a lord and a sorcerer. You can't take a, a lord and a demon prince, which right. to me doesn't sound too bad. Um, True. And the fact that they got rid of they got rid of the base sorcerer, so now you can only take a playcaster or a sorcerer in Terminator armor. You can't hmm. just take a normal sorcerer. Interesting. Um, which I thought was weird, but there you go. That is. I weird. think a lot of people probably probably think that's a bit weird as well. I wonder if like, it's because like the playcaster is kind of like. That is the base sorcerer, but the Nurgle equivalent. So I wonder if that's the to encourage the purchase of that model more so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the it wasn't on the shelf when the book came out, but and now you can buy it in like I think it's called like I can't remember what it's called. But it's like three of the characters from Dark Imperium in a box. Um, but yeah, so right. it's quite um, it's quite strange. Big, I guess the Malignant Playcaster isn't too expensive, which is the nice thing. Um, but then I'd run like th- three units of Plague Marines, either units of probably units of 10, well, which isn't the fluffy number, obviously, but the fact that you can get like more weapons in there is always better. Um, maybe in Rhinos, if you really want to, Rhinos are decent, but I'd probably go like focus more on the supporting characters because you've got like the Blightbringer, which will just give you a plus one move. Mm. You've got the Foul Blightspawn, which can make people count and fight last. Which is the old the plague skewer, skewer guy with the the cloud of flies or whatever they want to call it, mm. and the biologus, which is the guy with all the grenades and stuff. He's really good. Um, he's really good with possessed. So the death guard possessed, I think, are really good. I've got a unit of ten. I think I'd like to run a unit of, a list with twenty in. Oh wow! Yeah, because they get like four attacks each, and they have plague weapons and an invulnerable save. Yep. which is obviously really good. And the biologus, you choose them. Which is actually a really interesting ability because it's not an aura, it's like a trigger ability, but you can choose it during the charge phase rather than the fight phase. And then any unit hmm. that fights with that ability get, does mortal wounds on a six to wound in addition to any other damage. Cool. Yeah. So you have like a unit of 10 possessed doing 40 attacks and then sixes do mortal wounds as well. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really good. It's not quite as obnoxious as the possession used to be in like last last uh las vegas and open when they were just doing the rounds and they're doing they had like 19 buffs on them and then they were just like murdered anything but it's still really good and it's not that much of a point sink either because it's they're kind of very independent yeah. um and then you'd like look at taking as we mentioned the waller trait that doesn't let you re-roll hits or wounds and take that on like your lord of virulence because there's a stratagem uh for two cp where you can choose another unit and basically, you basically choose one guy who's got a contagion ability and another unit that doesn't have the same contagion abilities and they both have the same one. So what you can have is you possess charge in and do all these attacks with all these more wounds and then they don't allow your opponent to reroll hits or wounds back, which is actually really, really strong. Yes, that is really, really strong. Yeah, Especially if it, they have a unit that depends on that. Yeah, you essentially put your warlord trait essentially onto the possessed and then you also count the range as being one turn higher, so at least three inches, mm. which is actually quite cool, I think. So, and and that it like sounds a bit nasty, but that isn't like too over the top. I don't think it's like it's strong, but it's not ridiculous. It's not um, Mortarian level ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to find out what that strategy now, but I think it's called like Flash Outbreak or something like that. So here's an interesting question from Jake Madden. Mm-hmm. He says, "I'll admit." To being curious, what would you give to Magnus to bring him up to Mortarian's power level while keeping them mechanically distinct? Mm. Uh, I've heard taking four Waller traits is really strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's going to be interesting because I can see Thousand Suns getting... Because obviously Death Guard have like a the contagion ability, which is their... If they don't soup with anyone, they get minus one toughness aura. Um, Thousand Suns are obviously going to get something similar because every codex, including Death Guard, has that like stipulation. Like even Necrons who can't like ally with anyone, their stipulation is they only get the codes, so the the directives each turn. If you are pure Necrons, um, so I can see Thousand Suns getting something very similar. I'm just not hundred percent sure what that might be. I imagine it'll probably be like a buff to casting psychic powers. Like maybe like naturally re-rolling ones or naturally getting plus one to cast or something like that. Um, but yeah, Mag Magnus needs either something similar to Mortarion in terms of resilience, like minus one damage, or a natural five up feel no pain or five up ignore damage roll. Mm. Uh, or he needs something similar to Gazkull, where it's like he can only take so many wounds a turn. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to like make him on the same level, but also quite unique. Because if Mortarion doesn't have this, he could have that, and it makes them different. Rather than just going, Mortarion has minus one damage and a five-up feeling of pain, let's give that to Magnus as well. Yeah. Which wouldn't really make sense. Right, it'd just be a copy of it. So here's a thought from yeah. Ness Nexisk. Maybe mm -hmm. give him an ability like Techless, where he auto-casts a spell or two, or denies automatically once. Something like that. Yeah, that be yeah because Teclis in Age of Sigma, he like automatically casts powers on twelve sometimes, doesn't he? Which would be quite good for Magnus's smite when it's like two d six damage yeah. rather than one d six. So if he does insane. keep that ability, you could be like, "I'm going to automatically cast smite on twelve. Would you like to try and deny?" And he's like, "No, no." <laughs> yeah, yeah. that'd be quite cool. That'd be, oh. that'd be a really cool ability for something like him. I wonder if there's like a once per game thing, you know? Because it uh, feels like it's pretty powerful. Yeah, you won't be able to do it every turn. Yeah, Maybe, I think the only way they'd let you do it every turn if it was like you automatically cast it at like two higher than what you you need. So if it's like warp charge five, it automatically casts on warp charge seven, for example. Because right. you could use the modifier on his on his table because he gets like a plus casting modifier. Right. You'd be like you automatically cast it on whatever you need plus the modifier in the table. So as he takes wounds, it's not as strong, but still goes off. And it's also greater distance too, isn't it? Because he's thousand suns. Yeah. So currently it's plus six inches. I think. Yeah. If I remember rightly. Yeah. Interesting, though. It's exciting time to be... If you haven't got a Codex already, I think it's the longer it goes on, the better, because the the power scale only seems to be growing in, in, like infinitely. So as you're, as the longer you have to wait, the better your Codex is going to be and probably more like more thought or more complex it is in a good way. Uh-huh. It mm. I, I fear the same thing happening, though, with uh, uh, Traitor Allegiance, how that was the very last book to come out. And it was it was a yeah, thing for true. like six months. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. Oh. And, then it, and then it got like like taken out of the game. <laughs> oh, so terrible. sad. I mean, the, the way they do that is really bad. They did it with Psychic Awakening this time around. Yeah, true. Uh, obviously, like things happen that they can't control. Um, but I think they need some more a longer grace period between editions, where they're like, "This is the edition. Well, this is our grace period now, and we'll just play this for a few months. Then we'll start talking about the next one." Can you imagine if they? altered their business strategy to accommodate the habits and likings of the players as opposed to making money from the sale of the miniatures no. I, I, I wonder what would happen though what would it look like you know yeah. like all all armies upgrade at the exact same time that that's mm. that would happen uh, all all, yeah. all new codexes boom same time yeah exactly yeah um It'd, It'd be, be great. It'd be great. I think he. I think the thing that the probably the flip side to that playing devil's advocate is like, I think you might see the game get stale at the same time because if you think like, the thing is with codexes constantly coming out and like campaign books and new miniatures and all that, uh, it keeps the game really fresh because it's as we as we said like Blood Angels are really good. They rely on damage too, mm -hmm. and then Death Guard come out like a, a month later and they ruin that. You know, mm -hmm. they completely throw off your battle plan. But if you can come up with, if everyone's at the same level, you can come up with the perfect battle plan, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, and then if there's no codexes for a long time, then you have that battle plan and it might get stale. So I, I think there's like uh, pros and cons to both sides of it. I think I'd rather more codexes come out fast rather than all of them at the same time. Um, but That's kind of yeah. like what they're doing but now. For those few months. Is that yeah, not I was what they're doing for, Yeah. Yeah, for those few months when the codexes are out, that would be really good. Be really good for the player. But right. I just don't know how long that would last. Because, I mean, with their release schedule, 
it's pretty it, it's robust i mean they they're fast it feel like especially yeah. considering like how it was 10 years ago right oh yeah 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 cuz i i started playing properly like 5th edition okay. so like a codex used to come out once every 3 months yep um and now yeah it's crazy fast comparatively i think that's what they're trying to do they're trying to balance the the whole get everyone up to speed but also let's not drop every codex at the same time so people buy them all yep um which is perfect business planning you know uh, but it is fast like even even yeah. for like probably me and yourself who do this like full-time and all our job is to read codexes and stuff and even now it still feels like it's just like one after another you've digested one it's like right time to digest this one um it's crazy it's crazy good good for the game but yeah it's fast you know that's so. interesting because uh, i've heard that a lot i've heard uh people say oh man i wish i did it differently i wish uh but the thing is the way that they do it uh has created the largest miniature war game on the planet and oh yeah exactly we it, can always say like we would do it this way but it's obviously working <laughs> it's working it's obviously working right we still buy the minis we still play the yeah. game and yeah. uh as much as like we have gripes about certain things ultimately at the end of the day we play this game that we really enjoy so yeah. would we want it different would we actually want it different because as you uh, said, it would lose the excitement, right? Like, uh, yeah, no, exactly. there's nothing new that came out in a year. How come they haven't come out with anything in a year? We would get what we want, and then we complain instantly. Yeah, exactly. That's human nature, I think. Yeah, it's human nature to be never satisfied. So, the armor is greener. That new deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so as a compet, you know, here's a question: because uh, you're a competitive player, uh, mm-hmm. so as a competitive player. How do you feel about the the power creep in the new codexes that are coming out? Uh, do you think that's like, oh man, now I gotta I gotta start this new army because it's now the strongest thing, or do you just use what you have that's existing and kind of rework it? Like, how do you? What's your what's your plan there? What, what's your? So my pers- personal battle plan is like, like I'm a competitive player, but I'm obviously I'm not like a world class player. You know, I, I like I enjoy co- competitive play because I enjoy competition. Mm-hmm. I always say in Warhammer, there's a winner and a loser, and that's just how the game is um it's just so i enjoy the the like trying to thrive and trying to like overcome impossible odds because that's what i like but i do like to do that with um i don't i don't tend to like go out and buy the latest army because it's strong i'll try and learn that army and then use my army against it because i'm i mostly play space marines and space marines are the first army that i actually started playing because dawn of war the video game was actually what got me into warhammer so i have a massive blood ravens army Hmm. um I see you were like giving one away yesterday as well, weren't you? That was fantastic. I enjoyed yes, that. yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So basically, like, obviously, you have like the worldwide rankings with like ITC and stuff like that, and you have this thing called uh, best in faction, which is basically you earn points from every event you go to, but you can win awards for a, a certain army if you've performed the best with that army. And I was trying to get the best Space Marine player when they had their first 8th edition credits when they weren't actually that good. But it, that was kind of like fine-tuning and chiseling a book which wasn't very good to try and beat lists which were good, mm. if that made sense. And that's what I kind of enjoy. I like being the underdog rather than going out and buying the latest thing. I'll learn about the latest thing, but I don't like to buy it. It also gets expensive, so it's like <laughs> two things with it. This is As you true. say, Codex has come out that fast. If you want to buy every new army that's good, I've already bought a Death Guard army. I'm probably going to have to buy a Dark Angels army now from the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I like to try and be the underdog and wait and you know wait for the Codex and then be really brokered for a few months and then get nerfed and then try and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, that To me, that sounds like loyalty. That's mm. Loyalty to an army. Uh yeah, I mean that's that's what I experienced uh, with world leaders because I continue to play them, no matter mm-hmm. what edition they're in, no matter how strong they are, I continue yeah. to play them. It doesn't really that all that stuff is secondary because uh, the first thing is the feeling that I get when I play the army, which is that yeah. the maximum enjoyment of for some reason those guys for some reason those corn berserkers they just say something to you. They just, they just say something to me. They just they, they, they sweet nothings in your ear. You they, know? they scream blood <laughs> loud enough for me to hear it. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. And it's the best, right? Like, okay, so I have this thing where my favorite, my favorite instance in a game is when corn berserkers charge and they get to uh, demolish something in close combat. That's if that happens, yeah. I don't care if I win or lose. I've enjoyed myself. Is there something mm-hmm. like that for you that happens? What would you say is your equivalent? Um, it's usually. 
it, it does because I changed the army composition a lot because there isn't with Space Marines there isn't really like especially because they bring out releases so fast there isn't like a super iconic unit for them like everyone's iconic but like when char like making charges from like deep strike and stuff is usually quite it's very similar like Space Marines are good at doing everything but when they do like something really well like combat it's really fun to see them just like obliterate something. Um, but also just being really resilient as well, because as I say, Space Marines with the two wounds and stuff like that, they are quite resilient. So when someone pumps their all into something, it's just still stood there, just like taking it all on. It's just really funny to watch. So, you know, when you say that, it reminds me of Blood Angels in their uh, plus one to... So they're Red Thirst, so they're charging on an eight. Mm -hmm. And if you yeah. heck, if you put a chaplain nearby, then it's even less, right? Uh, yeah, it goes down to seven if you got a chaplain there. Uh, and oh, it's just so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fun too man i would have to say my second favorite is death company doing that because yeah yeah the satisfaction of the how many attacks basically the same you got like seven attacks or <laughs> something uh with chainsaw with, with a chainsaw yeah it's about seven attacks i think whilst doing the assault doctrine yeah yeah it's great yeah. oh man like nothing better <laughs> except nothing for... better than rolling a bunch of dice i think i think it doesn't matter what's happening if you get to roll a handful of dice it's great i think i think uh <laughs> The maximum is when the opponent, like the maximum enjoyment is when the opponent says, I'll just remove the models. <laughs> right? Because you're like, I mean, there is that enjoyment of rolling like the 80 dice, but still, when they yeah. say that, you're like, okay, all right. I mean, obviously, they can't survive that uh, unless yeah. you're Mortarian. But, you know, you could, like, you could have said that after I like counted out 60 of these 80 dice, but, you know. <laughs> and, but it's actually, there's even a, a, another strange feeling when you do roll all those dice and. They somehow make, like, just enough where you barely kill them. It's like, oh, I if I would have saved one more, the one guy would have survived out of all those dice. Yeah. Like, that's insane when that happens. Like, wow. Yeah, it's great. It's great. That's the thing. It's like, it doesn't matter, like, what list you bring. It's a dice game at the end of the day, so anything can happen, which is great and also frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it's such an emotional roller coaster, the, the gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Why do we care yeah. so much about this? We're grown men. I don't know. It's just I think it's just the the thrill of the thrill of the dice is what does it for me. Yeah. You know, it's like you you just roll stupid hot and it's like, oh my god, I think you just roll stupid bad. Like I streamed a game on Saturday um for the part of the Las Vegas and Open, which you might have seen. Mm -hmm. And like I I brought out three eradicators, which are obviously like infamous in the game of Warhammer at the minute, and I shot a rhino and I did like one wound and it was a sisters of battle rhino and they have an invulnerable and he made a six up and I was just like what's going on? The shield in of any fate. other game. Yeah. Yeah. Any other game like eradicate is a blow up like three rhinos in one shot, you know? Was that one <laughs> unit of three? Was it one unit of three? Pardon? You, was it one unit of three or three units of uh, eradicators? Uh, it was one unit of three. Yeah. And you shot yeah. twice because you didn't shoot anything else. Obviously they, shoot twice, and they yeah, still yeah, made all the saves. Yeah, that's and they just made, I made only one wound went through, and then he one made wound. his save. Yeah, it's stuff like that you remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, because it's like that shouldn't have happened. I and that's yeah. what I love too. When people compare math to the dice game, is hilarious to me. It's like statistically, yeah. that shouldn't have happened. I should have got two wounds yeah. there. That rhino should have been destroyed. Ah, but no, yeah. I just that's don't. the thing with probabilities. Sometimes it probably doesn't happen. <laughs> when does it actually happen? Like when you roll 80 dice, maybe because there's just so many dice and it's bound to be close to the probability. I think that's yeah. really the only time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's fun. I, I like to do math hammer, but like, you know, it's just like you have to remember sometimes it's just it's just dice. You can lose games because you only roll ones and there will be one game one day somewhere in the world there someone only rolls ones and rolls nothing else in that game and that's the fun of math hammer so there's uh, okay so i have a couple buddies one doug mm -hmm. uh he's the creator of the fat mats he uh okay he likes to say this which is hilarious because it's wrong and it's right he says it's 50 50 you either make the roll or you don't it's 50-50. It's 50-50. It happens yeah. or it doesn't, right? So that's hilariously <laughs> wrong, but uh, very accurate. And then uh, yeah. and then Scary from Scarcast, he's got... Mm -hmm. I like his uh, attitude towards it because he, he says, well, dice are dice. So if the dice are bad right now, they're going to come back around. They'll eventually roll what you want them to because uh, eventually the numbers come back around with the dice. Yeah. Which uh, in the campaign yeah, that exactly. I played against them, that happened every game every game nice <laughs> yeah, for both of us so it's like okay yeah they're bad right and he maintains this uh positive attitude 
throughout mm-hmm. the game, uh, whether he's like being crushed at the beginning of it or he's crushing at the beginning of it. It's like, well, the, uh, it's not going to be this way forever. It'll change. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We could talk about maths and probability like all day, but I do think there's like a thing where like if you're negative about your dice, they will roll worse. That's like like minor superstition. It's like if you are really positive, like I'm going to roll a six, you're more likely to roll the six than you are a one. And then it's just one of those things. I think probably again, you probably remember it more because you said it and then did it. But um, true. Yeah, like if you're really like negative, like oh, I'm probably not going to make this three inch charge, and then you roll it, and then you roll. You probably more. I feel like you're more likely to roll the double one because you didn't believe in the dice. So. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's the fun. That's the fun of Warhammer. I'm going to. Uh, log back in here. Uh, we're going to do a Chaos Comet Bomb soon. Okay. And let's see if that gets us back in here. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, for those of us who don't know what a Chaos Comet Bomb is, I'm going to grab YouTube video. I'll post the link in the uh, chat so that you can mm-hmm. uh, click on that link. It'll bring you to the YouTube video and you leave a comment on the video. And the comment could be something like, Dave and Mikey say hi from the Shrine of Chaos. Or you could say, uh, collect Nurgle because Mortarion's awesome. Or maybe well, yeah. the Eye of Terror sees Whatever you say, just as long as they know they've been Chaos Comet bombed is the most important thing. So I'm going to post I was this. A, I was a lucky receiver of a Chaos Comet bomb. I think it was like two years ago now or something, um, which is very fun. So, <laughs> And this is the paying it forward because it is with uh, you guys that this is possible so without you guys this oh yeah we would not be doing this so this particular youtube channel is alex attempts tabletop his video that we are chaos comment bombing currently has a 250 views on it and eight comments it started at eight comments because corn wanted it and we are now chaos <laughs> comment bombing it and oh uh, yeah and I'm going to leave a comment here. The Eye of Terror sees you. And it's it's just fun. And I hope... Now, do you know him personally? I don't know him personally. I, I think I dropped onto his channel once because I was browsing Twitch painters um, a couple of years ago. And then I like watched one of his videos and I just found him like overly hilarious. But I think he's just because he's so awkward, he's hilarious. And I don't mean that in any disrespect. I think he's great. Um, but yeah, I don't know him personally. I just think his videos are funny. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, a, that's a great reason to, to wind a Chaos Comet Bomb somebody. Yeah. Yeah, he'll like their videos. And okay. He seems like a good dude. He deserves it. <laughs> I, I like doing the channels that... Because he has 460 subscribers, right? I, I like doing the smaller <laughs> channels because... Uh, a lot of times they have the notifications turned on. And yeah. So it's yeah. like their phone explodes. That's the yeah, point. exactly. They're more, I feel like they're more deserving because they'll feel it more compared to like a larger channel. Feels like they would feel it more, which I'm, I think is, think is true. Yeah. Awesome. You guys are amazing. Thank you very much for participating in that. Uh, okay. And Q&A for Mikey. Anything you want to know about Hellstorm Wargaming, anything you want to know about armies, about tactics, about competitiveness, anything you want to know about being a YouTuber, anything you want to know about the LV Nopen, uh, leave your comments, and I'll do my best to relay them to Mikey. Yeah, fire away, boys, if you can. Be good. In the meantime, um, you look like a Viking. Do you play Space Wolves? I do not play Space Wolves, no. <laughs> um, no, I pretty much, Space Marines, it's just Blood Ravens, but then I tend to use them at whatever chapter is good that week, so. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, Blood Angels, when they were their, their own codex, I would leave them be, you know, but now they're in the Space Marines codex, kind of. I feel like it's fair game. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, they have their own, I mean, I haven't actually played with them, so I'm not familiar with. Uh, is it Forge World they gave them rules? Like, how do they even have rules? It was so it was so weird. I'll give you the full, do you want the full history of the Blood Ravens rules. Let's have the um, history. Yes, they in the when I first started playing. Obviously, I started playing Blood Ravens, and 
when in the chapter selection in the fifth edition codex, it was like if you don't have a known chapter like Blood Angel, uh, Blood Raven, sorry, uh, choose one that most suits your playstyle. Right. I was like, okay, so choose anything. And then that was pretty much the same in, in until the eighth edition codex, the first one. And then the second one came out and they released a white dwarf, which had rules in there. Um, I think it was just before the, the newest eighth edition codex. So obviously there's a ninth edition codex now, so one before. Um, and it was like, essentially it was like use these rules if you want to these are optional rules for the blood raven so i was like okay but the the rules were basically the successor tactics just two of them that chosen out of the new codex and then a relic from the new codex and a stratagem from faith and fury supplement where you get like the chief of librarian and stuff so in this white dwarf they just had rules from there but before the codex was out and then when the codex came out they released an faq saying don't use the white dwarf just use the codex <sighs> <laughs> and then and then in the codex it said again if you don't have a known chapter use anything huh. and then forge world came out and they were like okay we're going to release rules for blood ravens and it was like we suggest to use them as ultramarines but you can use them as anything you like okay. which is the weirdest rule i've ever had <laughs> it's because it's like the same for every forge world chapter in that book it's like we recommend or we suggest yeah there's no like these are the rules right which is that bizarre <laughs> <laughs> so okay uh right now what's the latest incarnation how do you play them as i'm playing them as blood angels at the minute okay because the latest thing is play them however you see they should be played yeah it says re we recommend ultramarines but you can use them as anything basically. okay that's the so latest. Words. okay yeah it's very very bizarre it's a weird mm. weirdest rule set ever <laughs> yeah i'd play them as blood angels that makes sense yeah why not it's got blood in the name Blood angels, I call them. <laughs> blood, blood angels. Or religious birds. <laughs> the religious birds. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, they have the, I think the cool thing is a campaign could be made about like the video game storyline would be kind of cool. Yeah. So I've been recently reading the crusade rules because I said I wanted to like play some crusade stuff and I kind of, I've like got some plans in mind for a, essentially dawn of war dark crusade because that was the, the video game supplement well the expansion to the first one um which is the one i played the most so i was going to call it the dark crusade mm -hmm. and then make a like a, a narrative campaign about it as my first proper thought because i used to I, I enjoy the lore and i enjoy the narrative i just play more competitive games um but like i wanted to dip my toe into like narrative style storytelling in battle reports and stuff like that because that's like my, our main focus like we struggle right now because of you know worldwide events let's call it um so we like i've like shifted some some of my content to more like sitting in front of the camera and talking about rules and stuff like that yeah but like my main my, my love and passion is creating battle reports and creating videos like in that fashion so i'd like to go back to that when we can and then create like a cool narrative campaign which is blood ravens orcs and alpha legion which are really cool that's very cool i i yeah. like all of those armies yeah and they're the three armies from the first dawn of war so yeah which I recently played through again. I actually live streamed it on Twitch. I think I played through the first campaign, which I don't think I've done in about five years or something. It was so much fun. So laggy because it's such an old game, but so much fun. <laughs> Very fun, yes. Uh, I remember playing it and thinking it was super cool. And then I was thinking, man, they got really cool buildings. I want to make those into buildings, terrain pieces on yeah. the tabletop. And so I did that for a few of them. And then uh, Death Ray Designs came out with a design very much yeah. inspired by the the game and like man that's super cool with the laser cut terrain uh mm -hmm. it just like brings really, it to life i saw those i really wanted them but obviously because i'm based in the uk shipping is like super high mm. so it's like real like it's going to be quite an investment if i want to go that route um but i have like a three i have a 3d printer so i was thinking about 3d printing some similar stuff and designing it myself and kind of doing it similar so yeah you have yeah. a 3d printer i have i actually have multiple but yeah i have plastic and resin so so uh what would you what's your current project for that um 3d printing terrain so um the last thing is open um i like 3d printed these buildings they're very basic because i quickly rattle sprayed them but these are based on the world team championships type buildings um so i 3d printed these in plastic um for a table so i'm planning on doing a few more of those cool so i can have like different different designs and stuff like that um but in terms of um 
uh, like resin printing, which is like more like for more detailed miniatures and stuff. I actually printed something this morning, which is based on uh, the Wall Street Bets thing, the mascot from there. Do you see much about that? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I'll quickly grab him if you want. I'll just yes, like, yes, let's see. Let us see. Let us see this uh, this eye candy that Mikey has for us. I got to say, I like his LEDs yeah. there in the back. So this is a this is a fan design. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it says stonks on the bottom, which I thought was great. So I printed that. <laughs> How long but, for that yeah. print? How long did it take? Uh, that one um, that took about four hours, I think. Okay, that's uh, whereas the building took twenty-four hours. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Was that multiple plastic pieces? Printing. Yeah, plastic printing and resin printing are very different processes, but plastic's really slow, which is a lot cheaper. Whereas resin's really fast, which is a lot more expensive. To the like the stuff that you use is more expensive. So, was it uh, was the terrain in one piece or multiple pieces? Uh, multiple pieces, so it's like uh, that. Like you've got like basically that's one section here, yep. and then that's another section, that's another section, and the floor pieces are separate as well. Oh, okay. So in t- in total, it's a twenty four hour print that one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so printing stuff like that, that's kind of like what I bought it for. Um. Uh, it was like to just expand like cool terrain pieces that you can't buy off the shelf and stuff like that's really handy for like competitive play. So. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. this uh, this recent Kickstarter where they had. Uh, it's basically pop-up terrain where uh, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I forget I the name of the that. company, but uh, yeah, they, it looked like, and they, they were very successful with uh, the camp. I'm not yeah. sure if it's still going or if you can like, uh, you know, get it if the campaign's over. But I remember when I saw it, I'm like, dang, that is a very slick, efficient way of setting up a table and tearing it down and storing well, it. Oh yeah, this is, this is the thing. Cause it stores in like a, a board game box essentially, doesn't it? Cause I saw that on, they were doing like loads of pre-production, like show off and feedback things on Reddit. Yep. Um, so I saw it then and I was really impressed with it. So yeah, it's like a pop-up book. It's really cool. Um, so shout out to them. They've got like four designs now, which is yeah. really good as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that being a thing that kind of floods the market and mm-hmm. everyone has that and kind of uses it from time to time. Because I think with that, yeah. it adds to the repertoire of terrain because there's certain terrain types that, uh, you know, it's cool to use it, it's efficient to use it, but you like variety with that. Yeah. It's kind of like the ruins. Yeah. The ruins are awesome. 3D print ruins are awesome. But would you want it for every yeah. single game? Not for every single well, game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially uh, when you like filming and stuff, you've got to try and keep it varied all the time. It's yeah. like the hardest thing is trying to make it interesting whilst also keeping it fair and stuff. Yeah. Especially if you're like limited on what you've got. Um so yeah, like having a variety is like really key, really really key. Do you? Uh, so you're filming everything out of your your home studio? Yeah. So this is actually my dining room. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Is it? I mean, so, I'm assuming you keep it set up because you got all those things stored there, and so that's your your dining room is your studio, which is a fantastic use of a dining room, I must say. Hell yeah! <laughs> Maybe one day I'll be able to get like um, like a, like a separate studio from my house. The the hardest thing is like when you're sat in the front room. It's like my house is like a dining room and a living room attached to it. So there's like an alcove uh, here. So my living room is just there. So it's like you can never escape the warhammer in the in the front room, which is fun. <laughs> fun for me anyway. My girlfriend might say otherwise, but uh, yeah, it's great for me. <laughs> it uh, it pays for the LEDs that are on right now. It certainly does. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. So, okay, so if you could have any one thing, uh, if you were the CEO of Games Workshop, what would be the first order of business? Um, so, obviously, we've just spoken about terrain. Mm-hmm. It would be more varied terrain. With There's loads of imperial terrain, right? There's loads of bi- buildings and loads of cities. But Necron terrain, man, I need, like, plastic Necron terrain that I can buy off the shelf. So... If I want to do the Dark Crusade campaign, I need cool Necron terrain. Because mm. <laughs> that'll come into it eventually. <laughs> so, okay, you mean like Games Workshop proper terrain, not uh, uh, independent companies also making their, I'll, I'll call it Necron terrain, because they don't call it Necron terrain, but uh, they're... Yeah, for version. sure. Have you seen yeah, any of I that mean, stuff? I've seen a lot of that around, yeah, especially like MDF and stuff like that, because that's like the cheapest way to produce something these days for terrain is MDF. Um and it's like really convenient because you can flat pack it and it ships really easy. But it just seems like just like a missing market in Games Workshop's like, you know, collection. They, they sell everything that you could want, but they don't sell something as basic as non-imperial terrain. You know, so, I've wondered well, this they do too. A bit, one or two bits, but like um, overall, it's pretty much what it's, it's bombed out cities, what you fight. So 
I've, I've been curious about that too in the past about why they don't sell certain things like airbrushes for example do they sell airbrushes yeah. they don't they, they don't. i think they did like a spray gun once upon a time if you remember that looked like a flamer um <laughs> yeah which is really bad uh, okay. But then even they've made videos about airbrushing because they, I think they got that independent uh, painting studio to make videos for their channel about airbrushing. Right. And they sell airbrush-ready paints, but they don't sell airbrushes. Right. Just so, why? Well, don't answer. It's just again, yeah. they just don't like money. They don't like money. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they're making too much of like, Oh, please, no, not not anymore. <laughs> you know, okay, so I I don't know. I don't know anything. But if I were to wager a guess, my guess would be this, because it makes sense in my mind. My guess would be they're, they're good at making miniatures and selling miniatures. Mm-hmm. They know they have a formula. It works. They have numbers to yeah. back it up. And they know it's a sure thing. Anything mm-hmm. new they try is experimental, and it's a risk. So they're like, okay, we, we can use – we have a million dollars to put towards this new line of miniatures, which we historically have sold this way, whereas we have this new product that we can sell – there's no data to back it up. Which do we choose? We're going to go with the this thing. That, yeah, that, that probably, like, if that's the answer, I can accept that as the answer. If it's not the answer, if it's just the person in charge making the decision to sell whatever product is just not interested in airbrushes, then, then I don't know. Yeah. So the other thing, I guess, as well, it's because they've left that market gap. They're entering, a, like, a highly competitive zone of the market because like if you think about airbrushes there's so many companies uh named brands or unnamed brands that are selling those type of things true um whereas games workshop just don't like right. they have the miniatures nailed down where they are arguably and probably like quite rightly the best miniature producers on the market they make some of the best miniatures out there mm-hmm. and they are probably the most well-known brand in wargaming mm-hmm. um obviously 40k probably being the the biggest game on there mm-hmm. um so when you do think like why don't they make airbrushes and why don't they make this and why don't they make that it's probably because they see that there is a competition there already and they're like well we can just keep making miniatures because that makes bank and then we don't need to take any risks so yeah maybe that's maybe that's the reason yeah like i i can accept that as a reason if that is the reason mm-hmm. you know would, uh, i think that's probably the most logical and if it's not that then you know, then I have no clue. Like money. Yeah, they don't yeah. like money. They're, they're, that's <laughs> they uh, no idea. <laughs> that's the default <laughs> reason. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, thank you for your time, Mikey. Uh, appreciate your your discussion here. Uh, check out Hellstorm Wargaming if you and it's Hellstorm Wargaming, not Hellstorm, it is Hellstorm Gaming, Wargaming. because people <laughs> yeah. have called it Hellstorm Gaming, which is only like three quarters true. It's Hellstorm Wargaming. Uh, I don't know why they just miss war out of it all the time. It's very fun. <laughs> you, can, you can support his channel by subscribing to his YouTube channel uh, or by signing up to the, uh, what's it called? What's the special name for it? The, you, sm- the Small Board Gang. Hashtag Small Board Gang. The Small Board Gang. That's right. <laughs> so that's uh, on YouTube, actually. There's uh, the YouTube membership that you could uh, support mm-hmm. the channel. And I've provided links to both of those in this post. If you're watching on YouTube or on Twitch or on Facebook, then you'll see those there. Uh, and in the very least, check out his videos. And uh, oh, thank you, man. Uh, thanks for your thoughts, man. Uh, stay tuned. Having me on, it's been really fun. Stay tuned next week, everybody. Uh, One PM Eastern time for another episode of the Shrine of Chaos.